Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick-Me-Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Chi. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life. And now, here is Marcy Ann. 
And hi, welcome to the show this month. I just recently uh, listened to a radio show um, on Internet radio about the Native American Indian medicine wheel. Now, the medicine wheel is a circle with a cross across it. It separates it into four sections. And these four sections can represent many ideas. It can represent the four directions, northeast, south, and west. It can represent the four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. It can represent the four basic elements, fire, earth, wind, and water. It can represent our local cosmos, the sun, moon, earth, and stars. And it can represent times and times and half times, sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight. And it can also represent the four cycles of life, birth, youth, adult, and old age and death. And the host of the radio show asks us to consider, well, where are you in your life cycle? Well, my first thought was, well, why do I have to be in any certain life cycle? Who makes up these cycles? Because last year, I had my 80th birthday, and now I'm coming up in May, you know, for the 81st birthday. So I I Googled old age. (laughs) And according to Wikipedia, if I followed a traditional way of thinking, I'm apparently about finished with the adult cycle, and I'm looking towards the old age and death cycle. (laughs) My mother used to quote J.R.P. Schlater. He said, old age has many compensations, but it's always a discipline. The process by which God pries our fingers loose from their clutch on things material is not entertaining. (laughs) I believe one of those things material is our body. And for me, since last uh, November, I've definitely been in some sort of a downward spiral in whatever cycle of my life I'm in right now. It's just been one blasted thing after another. And I no more get through one thing and another one's looming on the horizon. And I said, enough already. As my mother said, this isn't entertaining. I've had enough. I don't want to, I can't take any more. Well, at least I don't think I can take any more, but then another challenge presents itself, and what's my alternative? (laughs) That's another whole subject. For right now, though, in fact, almost all of this last year, to be able to deal with my personal challenges, the first thing I did was just quit listening to the news. Because when you have a personal challenge, it's just too much to also try to bear the burden of other people, you know, being burned to death by ISIS or hearing the local or global police report of murders and rapes. I think years ago when um, news became 24 hours a day, since it was in competition with shows that did entertaining, programmers struggled to find content. And in their search for the dramatic and those ear and eye-catching items, 
They discovered the local, national, and eventually international police reports to be full of information. So I think the news people long ago thought, well, um, it would be helpful to us to hear about all these terrible things that are going on in our neighborhoods or cities or states or country and now the world because we could hear about these terrible things and realize that our life wasn't that bad (laughs) so we could keep on keeping on. But for me, now I don't know about you, but for me, I've just had enough going on in my own life to deal with, and I just can't hear about all this other stuff anymore. It's just too much. It drains my energy, and then I don't have the energy to deal with my own stuff. You know, in the Bible, Jesus said that sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I think what he was trying to say there, just take it one day at a time. Maybe just one hour at a time. Maybe just one moment at a time. And take care of yourself. Be concerned about your own personal self. Don't let things overwhelm you. Don't let stuff accumulate. You're not your body, but you're safe in your body. You're an eternal living soul that's part of everything. But you're only responsible for your part. And you have all the power within you to do your part. And doing your part is the best thing you can do to help the entire thing. So uh, just taking care of myself is the best way that I can help eliminate war and inequality and abuse, discrimination, poverty, sickness, and death. And those are all really good reasons for each of us to just take care of ourselves because that's all we need to do, just take care of ourselves. Well, as I get older, I find there is a lot more involved in just taking care of myself. And another thing I can't do anymore is to be with or do things with people uh, my own age because all they talk about is all their aches and pains and surgeries and medications and what the doctor said or they're complaining about their children. I don't go to the doctor and all my children are doing great, so I have nothing to talk about. And getting together with them to hear all of their agonies Well, again, all it does is just drain my energy. So I listened to Alternative Radio, and I found this interesting show about the Native American Indian medicine wheel. Now, the radio show host explained the purpose of the the medicine wheel in the Native American Indian culture. Because the medicine of the Native American Indian was being in oneness with his environment, and he allowed nature through its wisdoms to help him be well and stay healthy and strong. He used the vibration of the drum. He selected various herbs and flowers for their benevolent benefits, and he meditated with Father Sky and Mother Earth, calling for their energies as he sat within the medicine wheel. He saw himself in the center of everything. And from within that center, he could find out what to do without. 
It's those principles, as above, so below, as without, so within. As within, so without. Now, if we would go back and look at the history of the Native Americans, originally there was just constant fighting among the tribes. And this fighting was based upon a very primitive idea that there isn't enough of everything. And they had to protect themselves against the tribe on the land next to them who might come over and try to get their stuff. So tribes were obsessed with wiping out their enemies. Now, you can still hear this primitive idea expressed today in news reports that support a philosophy of war. Now, fortunately, our president is a man of peace, although many misunderstand the fundamental principles of peace, and they continue to fight for a separatist and therefore a very primitive view that freedom includes wiping out the enemy. Now, the Native American Indians fought and killed one another to protect their rights to the basic necessities of life, food and water and sex. And today we have broadened these categories to to include inequality and abuse, discrimination and prejudice, poverty, sickness, and death. Well, a dramatic shift in perception occurred through the teachings of the great Iroquois chief Hiawatha. And many of the tribes were urged to cease the madness of the brother-killing brother and form an alliance which came to be known as the Confederation of Nations. Now, historically, this may have happened uh, between 1450 and 1600 A.D., about 100 years before the white man came to America. And actually, people don't realize that the Constitution of the Confederation was actually a forerunner and a guide to our forefathers in creating our Constitution. Because the Confederation recognized that Indian people were more alike than they were different, even though they spoke different languages and had different cultures and rituals, they had the same basic belief systems, and they followed similar traditions. And even though this confederation is still recognized today, in actuality, since the Iroquois Confederacy remained loyal to the British crown after the Civil War, their strengths as well as their lands were diminished as the new colonies developed the new nation, which of course became the United States of America. So most of the Iroquois live in Canada today, with only about uh, 20% still living in the U.S. on reservations. Actually, I meant to say there after the Revolutionary War. Now, one element of unity among the Native American Indians was the medicine wheel. Every tribe had some kind of a medicine wheel. The medicine of the Native American Indian was the common belief that a happy life is a life lived in balance, in balance and harmony with all of the forces of life, human life, animals, the plants, the rocks, the minerals, the oceans, rivers, and streams. They believed that if a person became obsessively dominated by any one certain force, energy, or attitude, that that person is in imbalance. And that imbalance will eventually manifest in or through the body in some way, in an inordinate action, 
or a disease in the person's body. So the medicine wheel was designed to allow a person to investigate and get to the root of the imbalance, bring it back into balance, thereby creating healing and restoration for the person. The Native American Indian would go to his medicine wheel and sit at the center of it and meditate and contemplate the four directions, north, east, south, and west, the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water. And he would bring in colors, you know, red and blue and yellow and green, and he would consult with the animals of the four seasons, or he would call to Father Sky or call to Mother Earth in order to receive the wisdoms of his elders and the ancients, the sages of the ages. And the radio show host was explaining by working with the medicine wheel. An individual can investigate his own personal circumstances. And by looking at everything within the context of the whole thing, a person could get to the root of any problem or imbalance. Now, I have always believed that nothing happens by accident or choice, so... It was not surprising to me that I was listening to this show just at the time where I had had two teeth with four roots dug out of my jaw. And I was heavy, heavy, heavy into the hurting of my jaw and gums. Now the first tooth had an inlay in it and the inlay came out. And since that tooth had had a root canal, it wasn't hurting me. So I had delayed getting it going to get it looked at and then one day I bit down on something and the walls of that tooth just broke off so now it was just a root in my gum and then all of a sudden my wisdom tooth on that same side began to be sensitive to hot and cold so this time I went to the dentist you know hurting hurting will get your attention he sighed when he saw the broken tooth he took an x-ray of the tooth that was hurting and that revealed an area of decay that practically had eaten up the tooth inside the crown, actually way down into the root, which was what had finally exposed the gum line around the crown to let in the hot and cold. So virtually this tooth now was also just a root. Oh, wait, I mean roots. Yep, was a wisdom tooth with three roots. So now here I am faced with having to have four roots dug out of my gums. Well, since the wisdom tooth was hurting, my dentist just called the oral surgeon and made the appointment for me to go have it done right away. No time to think about it, no time to prepare, just go and do it. Well, I got to the oral surgeon's office. His card said, Diplomat, American Association of Oral and Mac." Maxiliofacial surgeons. Boy, visions of marred and scarred faces danced in my head. And the nurse took me into a small office and took my blood pressure, 171 over 92. I guess I was really stressed. So the doctor came in and talked and talked and talked to me, and I'm thinking, when are we going to get down to this? But apparently he was trying to get me to relax a little. I told him I had brought my blankie. I keep this blanket in my car because it seems I'm always going places here in California. It doesn't matter 
which of the four seasons it is, they're blasting out air conditioning. <laughs> and I seem to always be sitting under one of the blast areas, and I'm always cold. So I took my bl- I take my blanket everywhere with me. But I told him I just couldn't deal with having roots dug out and be cold, too. But I felt like Linus and that I was about three years old. I got into the dentist chair and covered myself up from shoulders to toes. The doctor was nice enough. He said, nice blanket. Then the nurse put the pre-anesthetizing gel on my gum to prepare for the Novocaine shot, and some of it dripped down into my throat. Now, if you've been listening to my shows, perhaps you heard the one I did after Joan Rivers died. And now at the oral surgeon's office, visions of blocked throat passages danced in my head. I couldn't feel my throat. I couldn't feel like I could swallow. I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I bolted up out of the dentist chair, and the dentist and the nurse jumped back, and they said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I pointed to my throat, Og, og. And the nurse gave me some water. I motioned, more water, more water. And I drank and drank and gargled and drank and gargled and drank. And finally, it seemed like I could feel my throat. So I sat back in the chair, and the dentist gave me the Novocaine, and the process of prying these roots out of my gum began. That favorite saying of my mother's flashed through my head again. She read it to me first when she was 80 years old. And now here I am in the dentist chair, 80 years old. Here it is again. Old age has many compensations, but it's always a discipline. The process by which God pries our fingers loose from their clutch on things material is not entertaining. And I thought to myself, and it certainly isn't entertaining to have roots pried loose from out of the bone of our jaw either. Somehow, and I think it was because we had finally started the process, I was able to relax and allow this to happen. I just grabbed two big handfuls of my blankie and held on for dear life. I visualized I was hanging onto a magic carpet and it was taking me to the beach on Grand Turk Island where I could just walk right out into the crystal blue, turquoise blue, warm waters and just float on the waves, lovingly supported by Mother Earth in the warm, salty water while being gently bathed from above by Mr. Sun and Mr. Blue Sky. And almost immediately it seemed to me it was over. And my blood pressure immediately went back down to 140 over 79. And with my mouth full of guzz and a prescription for pain pills in my hand, I just bravely got into my car and drove home where the healing process was to begin. And I was two days into the healing process when I listened to this radio show about the Native American Indian medicine wheel and learning how to get to the roots of a problem. So let's look at that medicine wheel just again for a minute. It's a circle with a cross across it, separating it into four sections, which can represent northeast, south, and west, spring, summer, fall, or winter, fire, earth, wind, or water, sun, moon, earth, and stars, sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight, and birth, youth, 
adult, and old age and death. And the host of the radio shows had asked us to consider, where are you in your life cycle? So I'm thinking, gosh, what in the world do these four roots that I've just had taken out of my mouth represent? Why has this happened? What has been eliminated in my life? What am I going to replace them with? Where am I in my life cycle? My dentist had said he could have fixed both of these teeth. He said it would cost 3000 to restore the single root tooth and 5000 to restore the wisdom tooth. And um, he couldn't guarantee that it would actually do it. So he asked me what I wanted to do about these two teeth and the four roots. Well, I said, you know, I just wonder how long I'm going to live. I'm not doing my weddings anymore, so I wonder if I have saved enough money to last to pay for everything I need in my life for as long as I'm going to live. And he says, can't you Google that? And I said, well, you know, I talk to God every day, and when I ask him about it, what he seems to say is, well, it's kind of up to you, Marcy. It's up to you. It's pretty much up to you. I thought about my Aunt Clarice because I remember visiting her when she was 80 years old. This was about 20 years ago, and she said, Marcy Ann, if Jesus doesn't come this year, I'm just going to go because the world's just getting to be too awful for me, and I can't take it. So for her, back 20 years ago, she had had enough, and Jesus didn't come, so she left before she was 81. So today, here I am, two weeks into the healing, sitting in the center of my medicine wheel, (laughs) contemplating and meditating and considering where I am, and where do I want to go, and what do I want to do now? And as I've sat here in the middle of this medicine wheel, I have realized that apparently when I hit that 80th mark, some sort of a preset belief system kicked in. And it has had me a prisoner in its grip now for almost a year. This belief system says an 80-year-old person is a really old person person this belief system says now i am old you know what this belief system has been taught to us because up till now i haven't felt like this all through my 70s i never felt any different than my 60s or my 50s i was still running my business doing 150 to 175 weddings a year doing my radio show three day, three times a week, and also being a watchstander for the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary at radio station Gracie in Oceanside, I felt like I was still young, and I, and I was still going strong, because I was. A lot of the people who worked for me, all of them at least 20 years younger, would say to me, slow down, Marcianne, I can't keep up with you. And my kids would brag about me. They'd say, I can't keep up with my 75-year-old mother. But, you know, this last Sunday I did the morning watch at Station Gracie, and the afternoon watch stander arrived to relieve me, and he had brought his 16-year-old Down syndrome granddaughter with him. 
and he introduced me to her, and she looked at me, and she says, how old are you? And I said, 80 years old. And she said, you are old lady. So she's already been taught this belief system. 80 years old. So what does this belief system tell us about being old? It begins with a philosophy of deterioration. It says we won't be able to do the things like we used to. It says that things are going to wear out. Our eyes are going to get worse. We might have to give up driving. Our teeth are going to fall out. Our joints are worn out. We might have to get new knees and hips. It says we are weaker, that our heart is weaker. Our digestion doesn't work. In fact, all of our organs are now old, and they won't work right. And, of course, if you're a follower of the Western medicine philosophy that puts everyone into the same set of statistics for blood pressure and blood sugar and cholesterol without taking into consideration that you are now older, you're going to get enslaved by a myriad of medications that will actually cause the body to not be able to work right and do what it's supposed to do because the body becomes dependent upon those chemicals from without and the original processes stop working within. That's why I don't go to the doctor. And in a society that worships beauty and strength, the wrinkled, fragile senior is seen as undesirable and a burden. And retirement has been sold to the Western culture as a prize. But the truth is that the accepted view of personal value is based in what we produce or contribute. Many people's identity is connected to their job or their career. And separating themselves from their productivity and their contributions just leaves them feeling no longer necessary, no longer important. And just knowing that you are now living on your old age pension (laughs) identifies you in the old age category. (laughs) Well, at the end of the radio show, the host closed her show by saying, we are not made happy or sad by the events in our life but by our reactions to these events. So I mentally constructed my medicine wheel. And as I meditated and contemplated, calling to Father Sky and Mother Earth, the four elements, the four seasons, the four directions, the plants and animals and rocks and minerals, I took my place in the center of all things. I am the center of my world and I realized that I could reconstitute my self representation not only outwardly but inwardly to myself so I called to the wind to cut me loose from the societal belief systems about aging and I took those ideas of being old that were taught to me and I put them in the fire and burned them up One definition of age is the person's ability to be flexible and adapt and to cope with the day-to-day stuff. So I decided to adopt a baby's attitude towards circumstances and conditions because I do baby blessings. And I say, 
We are here to dedicate the life of this child today. And Jesus said, except we become as a little child, we cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. So what could this little child teach us today? A little child is filled with curiosity and joy and excitement for life. A little child believes that everything is possible. A little child trusts with a pure heart that is still open and filled with love. A child easily forgives and forgets. A child is able to learn and to, and to change. And in these ways, we should all try to be as a little child. And then we can all live in the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. So, since you and I are the same thing, and everything on the earth is made of the same thing, and we all come from the same place, and we all are a part of everyone, and and everything as above, so below, and you and I are the same thing, so I am a cosmos, a universe of systems, millions of systems of cells, of condensed matter collected together in a skin suit called a body. But I'm not my body. I'm in the body, and sometimes I'm out of the body. But the body is not the totality of who I am, nor does it define my boundaries. And the body is not who you are, nor does it define your boundaries. So I think if we could just look at things from the standpoint that life is cycles and circles, circles and cycles, and we are at the center of the circle So we are also at the center of each cycle. And that way we won't get bogged down in the circumstances because we can sit in the center of the circle and look at the cycle and know that cycles come and go, but the circle is forever. Both things are true, and this stabilizes us and allows us to view the cycle with non-attachment and clarity. So I'm viewing this current cycle of what looks like the loss of four roots (laughs) as an opportunity to create a new paradigm of healing and restoration for myself. And while I haven't totally defined the actual path of this new paradigm, I am encouraged by even the notion that I'm not limited or hindered by any preconceived idea of what that healing and restoration might look like. Perhaps I can grow two new teeth. Sharks can do it. So there's apparently a blueprint within already revealed DNA that's available. And just the very idea that I have a field of all possibilities open to me is enough for me right now. And I shall examine and consider each possibility and then make my decision. And as for the cycle of life I am in, I am in a cycle of transformation. I have reached a place that is called old age in the third dimensional realm of energy. But in the fifth dimensional realm of energy and beyond, it's a challenging opportunity to extend myself into multidimensional realms of life that are exciting and full of surprises and never-ending cycles within the eternal circle of eternal life. 
And since I have transitioned into this new perspective, I have felt my old pre-80 energy return. And I'm again running around at full speed. (laughs) And at lunch yesterday, I was whirring toward a table with my tray of food, and I practically ran down a young man. (laughs) He jumped back out of the way as this blur of energy whirled past him. (laughs) So after I put my tray on the table, I went over to where he was now seated with two policemen. And they all looked like they were probably in their 30s, you know, possibly late 30s, early 40s. So I told them about this matrix of old age that I had found myself, uh, that I was ca- had been caught in like a fly, you know, in a spider web. And now that I had cut away all those bonds, and now I am free to be a never-ending energy source and be in and out of the body as needed. And I encouraged them to remember what I'm saying to them at this time. As I said, now you remember this when you uh, approach 80 years old. And don't get caught up in that old age paradigm because it's not true. It's a belief system that's been taught to us. But it is a lie because we are currently experiencing a human experience in a body But we are not our body. We are eternal souls in a cycle of life within the circle of eternity. So I just challenge you, mentally construct your medicine wheel. Contemplate and meditate about where you are in your life. Decide what you want to do, where you want to go, and then go forth in the energy of eternity. I'll see you again the first Wednesday of next month at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. Marcy Ann's website is www.marcyann.com. You can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in your YouTube search window. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live the first Wednesday of every month at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcy Ann Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time and any place in the world.